Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. These are, these are the funds that are available. This is what we can do. We've made that very clear to the state and the county and the feds, and uh, we'll continue to work with them to make sure that they feel comfortable about the plan um, so that we can uh, move forward and, and try to help as best we can. Hi, everybody. I'm Franz Spielman. My guest this week is City Comptroller Chase Raywinkle. Chase, thanks for joining us, and Happy New Year to you, sir. Absolutely. Happy New Year to you as well. How did you spend and celebrate the holidays? Did you get any time off? Uh, I I spent the time uh, trying to get uh, caught up on some things. It was, uh, it was a low-key holiday for me. I, I was overcoming a, a cold, one of the colds going around, uh, not COVID, but the other one. So it was, it was pretty low-key. Okay, January is a brutal month, as we know. I think the only thing that I look forward to is my son's birthday because January is tough. As city controller, you are the guy with the checkbook who pays the bills, manages the collection of city taxes, fines, and fees, and goes after the deadbeats. How are we doing on revenue flow? So we're we're it, you know we're doing well um, in terms of uh, some of our um, entertainment and and hotel related uh, um, uh, revenues that are recovering from the uh, pandemic. We still are are needing to recover further from the pandemic, but we had a we had a lot of you know strong shows this past summer. Obviously, you had the Taylor Swift, and you have the um, uh, Beyonce stuff that is added. Um, and we expect that to be pretty strong next year too. Obviously we have the DNC coming in, um, but there's still other revenue that we're, uh, you know, making sure we're taking a look at some of the old um, scofflaw debt needs to be checked at. I know every administration uh, needs to be stronger at those things. And we keep looking at, other items, uh, other challenges within the economy. I'm an economist by training. Um, so, you know, we are looking at central business district as well as, uh, you know, commercial real estate, things like that, to make sure that as, as we come out of the pandemic, we're, we're paying attention to those things. Right. The central business district has been very slow to return. I think it's at about half. There's a lot of empty office space. What revenues have been impacted by that, and what can the city do about that? Well, obviously, you have you know your first level and then your second level revenue generation, right? So your first level is the direct um, vacancy stuff. You know you have less um, you know less real estate related um, uh, revenue from transactions, things like that. But then you also have the 
direct revenue of less people being in the loop. So those businesses down there that are serving that population, uh, restaurants, um, you know, your shoe shiners, your barbers, everybody who is traditionally downtown aren't getting that same sort of business. And you're, you're losing the sales tax is related to those, but also just the economic output. So part of that is, is thinking about, and we're, we're, not, we're far from the only city that is, is still having this problem uh, from the pandemic. And, and we do need to adjust uh, in some ways to the fact that some of this is a brand new world. There are businesses that have decided to stay relatively uh, hybrid for a longer period of time, and that might be what, what they do permanently. So thinking smartly about how we're going to manage that going forward includes having conversations with those businesses. Uh, you know, I, I, we've had conversations, World Business Chicago, things like that, to, to make sure that we're planning as a team. Uh, at the same time, you know, the West Loop, which uh, uh, is also very business-focused, has, has still maintained growth. Um, so, you know, taking some of the lessons from there, trying to apply over there, that's going to take time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that we continue to monitor and, and reevaluate on a, on a weekly basis. Yeah. You have taxes like, uh, the restaurant tax in that restaurant district that pays for McCormick place, for example, and some of the stadium stuff that's, that's gotta be down because half the people are not in the loop going to lunch and staying for dinner, maybe. How do you adjust for uh, that? How do you plan for that? Yeah, you you have to make sure that you're not um, you're not balancing uh, with with lower revenue in one area um, by taking away from any other programs elsewhere. That's more of a, a budget decision um, from OBM. Although obviously we we talk uh, regularly from a revenue perspective. You know, my job is to make sure we're, we're, we're telling the budget director and the CFO, you know, where we're light. Um, you know, I, as, as you said, you know, the, the business district's lower than, than we would have had in, in pre-pandemic time periods and, and making sure that we're projecting those out regularly so those budget decisions can be made. Um, and some of that is, you know, that's up to the, the, the budget director and her team to, to present in front of the mayor and, and us to give good um, predictions on revenue um, so that we can make those decisions, uh, you know, with city council when necessary. An analysis conducted recently by the Sun-Times showed that Chicago is owed more than $6.4 billion, with a B, dollars in unpaid fees, fines, yeah. and other debts since 1990. This includes $2.9 million in outstanding administrative hearing debt, which has been a chronic problem for the city of Chicago, mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. than $2.3 billion in old parking, speed, and red light camera tickets, and nearly $723 million in unpaid water bills. These amounts average to a debt of $3,026 for every adult resident of the city of Chicago. I know that some of that you say is old and uncollectible debt, but what more can and should you do to try to collect that money? You owe it to the taxpayers to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought this up. And this is a item that uh, early on when I got here, um, as uh, I connected with uh, corporation council and she was also very interested in kind of looking at this old debt and seeing what we have. 
when I, when I say that some of that is uncollectible, what I mean is some of those folks no longer live even in the United States. Um, some folks have passed away. Some, some areas it's, it's hard to find exactly who's going to owe that debt. Uh, and, and what we're really talking about is the oldest debt as that part. Um, but the newer items, and, and I, I use newer kind of as a, as a catch-all. I mean, we're not, we're not talking about um, last year. We're, go- we're going back years and years here. Um, those are folks that have tried on the, a lot of them are folks that are, are particularly trying to specifically avoid payment. You know, a lot of them don't live here in Chicago and are kind of using the system against it. And, and we do owe it to the taxpayers to use all of our resources that we have both internally and externally to make sure that we collect on these. You know, there are some folks that have millions of dollars in just rodent related items. And it's not that they're living here in Chicago, they're, they're owning homes here and they're just not doing their due diligence. That in fact, that, that impacts the whole neighborhood, not just them there. And, and if we are, are looking at that intently. Um, you know, there's, there's some legal stuff I can't talk about, uh, uh, as we process that, but that is a top level issue that we are attempting to address this year through our collections folks and then kind of a more pointed uh, strategic effort from from corporation council to go after these this revenue because it is owed um, and, it, and it is in a lot of cases folks that have been trying to shirk the system and 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 people in the city of Chicago they pay their fines they pay their taxes. Um, and we owe it to them to make sure that those that are trying to shirk that responsibility pay their fair share as well. Years ago, there was a list that came out about uh, city employees mm-hmm. and government employees who owed parking tickets and water bills, and it became a, sort of a scandal, uh, rightfully so, because people drew their paychecks from the city and then they were shirking sure. the city. Yeah. What is that level of debt now? Don't you keep tabs on that? And if so, what are you doing to go, to to grab those people and 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 maybe even garnish their wages that you're responsible for paying too? What yeah, is no, the level of we, debt by city employees and government employees at this moment? I don't have it uh, the specific number at this moment. Um, I know that it's lower than it had been before, but um, we can. Uh, um, I can certainly get that for you. We do monitor that, uh, but th- there are some uh, immediate pieces that uh, for city employees that come up. Um, first of all, there's a debt check for hiring, um, and uh, you know the, that's when when somebody's getting onboarded, we try to look at at those items. Um, you know, correct those pieces as well. Get people onto payment plans if they if they aren't all already doing that um and uh, we'll continue to look at that that group as well because uh you know that these are still city citizens of chicago they they owe what what they owe uh and we want to make sure that we're collecting on that that piece as well but the fact that you don't know that that's troublesome to me because this has been an issue for years where people Forget about, you know, checking whether they owe when they first come on. I'm talking about people who work for the city, draw their paychecks from the city and and still don't pay their parking tickets and their water bills and so on. Don't you owe it to the citizens of Chicago to know that and to keep tabs on it and to ride herd over it? 
So I'm I'm saying I don't know the very specific number, um, Fran, and and I apologize I don't have that at the top of my. Uh, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of different revenue pieces at the same time, but I, I, I understand. I'm not, um, I'm not trying to, to shirk that in any way. We do look at that regularly um, and make sure that we're trying to do all we can to have people pay out based on the legal pieces we have. Uh, we, we take that very seriously, the debt that is still owed to us. Um, and we have, you know, ramped up, like you said, with the scoff laws before, and this would be scoff laws too. Um, these are people that still owe the city, and, and that is part of our process. So, um, no, I, I take that very seriously, uh, Fran. It, it, it just isn't a number I had right off the top of my head. Is there anything new that you're planning to do revenue collection-wise to really get at this 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 backlog this year? Of the, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you'll what? notice in the budget. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to explain that. So you'll notice in the budget we had to hire um, uh, some of the fines and fees collection there. Um, and that wasn't from an increased enforcement. That was mostly from looking at the scoff laws. So that includes, obviously, city uh, employees that would have that um, have that debt, but then also these folks that are kind of the from outside of the city. Um, they are kind of strategically aligned with our office and the corporation council to go at the, those large debt owners all the way down to the end and kind of as a group um, work through them to make sure that we are providing all the resources that we can on this. In the past, there hasn't necessarily been kind of a, a strategic a- approach to individually target those um, folks. Um, we're doing that now and making sure that we're we're in, increasing our, our our you know push to our collection folks um, to get that done um, to pull in that new revenue. So a lot of it is aligning systems to make sure that we're collecting that that debt. Lori, that's why we we added the, the threshold for speed camera tickets from from uh, from to six miles over the speed limit. Do you plan? to reverse that and go back to the old way because that was very controversial and big fight with city council over that. Yeah. And I, and I've had a lot of, um, you know, speed meetings and red light camera meetings. Um, uh, I'll say first and foremost, uh, decisions on changes to red light cameras and speed cameras, uh, are going to first come from a public safety perspective. Um, but we, we'll certainly look at, um, and have been talking about, uh, you know, the, 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 the uh, length of time between red lights, the, and as well as the speed limits on whether those are, uh, appropriate given our, um, our city's infrastructure. So people love to hate speed cameras and red light cameras. What changes do you plan to make to make these more equitable and not just a revenue cow for the city, but rather a fair and safety-based system? Yeah, and the mayor, um, when he first came in, uh, uh, or when I first came in and he, he talked to me about this, he was very worried about the equity within our fines and fees. The city should not be dependent on fines and fees for revenue. Uh, fines and fees are meant to 
change behavior, right? So, um, you know, we're, we're our corporate fund uh, relies on about 6% of it, of it for fines and fees, which is down from uh, the pandemic, which is a good thing in some ways. It's, it's, it's making sure that we're more dependent on less volatile um, specific uh, pieces, but that we are taking a look at those fines and fees and we're making sure that we're doing it in an equitable way. So we are looking at all the different locations. Now, there was recently a, a kind of review of our speed light or speed and red light cameras, where they are, um, how they're dispersed throughout the city and whether or not those are areas that are for traffic safety. And uh, CDOT has stated, uh, you know, they, they feel like that setup is, is currently helpful for traffic safety. That is, that is what they're for. Um, and they're kind of set in a way that are, are targeting those areas that are of most concern. My job is to make sure that we're constantly looking at the data um, for those, those cameras to make sure that they're being equitably spread and that there are programs in place for those that are less fortunate it. Um, you know, the lower income folks that, that can still get out from underneath that if they do have the, um, you know, they do get speed, speed camera or red light camera for, you know, a violation, uh, which is why we're continuing uh, the clear path to relief program, which has also the fix it defense in there um, that, that really does uh, assist those that are um, kind of lower on the power line to, to pay what they can, um, but then also get out from underneath that debt cycle. Um, and but, we've looked at that but, also but in other areas. the are too. not really equitably spread. And people have said that all along, that they're concentrated in, in, in Black and Hispanic communities. And secondly, that they mm -hmm. should be evaluated periodically, very regularly, frankly, so, uh, and so moved are, around, yeah. and moved around, and they're not. Yeah, so, well, there have been cameras added um, or what recently about as well. Around? So, like move it from one location when it yeah. solves the problem over here and put it somewhere else. Yeah, and we're certainly open to moving cameras around based on the safety needs uh, that CDOT dictates. Um, and that has, you know, we've, I, I, uh, we've had cameras added because of safety. Um, there has been, uh, you know, things that we've looked at for decommissioning. Um, and we'll keep, I mean, we, I honestly have a, uh, red light camera, uh, conversation later today, um, over some of this. So we will be moving cameras as needed based on safety and making sure that we're taking a look at that equity uh, lens. Um, they're not, they're not just uh, targeted to um, brown and black neighborhoods. Um, although I am, I'm acutely aware that if you have areas that have less public transport, less public transportation options, less yeah. um, ways to get down to our central business district, you're going to incur more um, sp speed and red light cameras because you're forcing that option, right? And we are taking that very seriously to make sure that that in itself, just the odds of you having to 
to drive more often is not going to cause more fines and fees, which is unacceptable. And we'll, and we'll change those based on um, reviews of those different lines and what we can do from a public transportation uh, sector. And the mayor's very focused on this, um, which is why, you know, we meet with CDOT and I have that meeting later as as well, because I want to make, we want to make sure that it's not just where there are, it's the, the people that are forced to go and you, and go through those intersections on a regular basis and whether or not their options are equitable to them. So that's how we're kind of thinking about the problem. So what about raising the speed limit, the trigger for speed cameras? Yeah, that's certainly going to be on the table, but uh, I, I have to defer to CDOT there because that's it's a, it's a safety discussion as well. The mayor's first budget included only $150 million for migrant spending. Uh, you mm-hmm. were able you were able to shift stimulus money to operating and use a $95 million surplus for the migrant crisis at the end of the year because revenues were came at a bit higher. Uh, what are you going to do if the $150 million, which is half of what would be needed, and if it ramps up heading into the convention, which people expect could be even more than that, what will you do if you run short and the feds and the state don't come up with the other half? Yeah, it's an important question. Um, I, I, I will say that, um, you know, I'm only one part of that decision-making process. We're, we're well, more you're an idea the, guy. I mean, what yeah, are your absolutely. ideas for how we yeah, yeah. handle so, this? Yep. No, Fran, let me go, go through it. So, so, you know, we're more in the back end and the auditing side. That being said, um, we all know that this is a major crisis. I, I come from the state side. I've worked for the state side for a long time. And we've made it very clear that the state needs to be assisting here as well. And they know that problem. Those conversations are ongoing. You know, their legislative session is coming up. You know, our budgets are flipped. So we kind of had to go forth in those discussions. And the mayor has been very clear that that was the number that we could we could provide. And it'll be an ongoing conversation about how to make sure that we're, we're meeting the humanitarian crisis that is that is here. Um, but working with our partners on the county, the state, and the federal side to get necessary assistance here. Um, it isn't going to be just Chicago that has to pay for um, for this crisis. Um, and and the, the governor's folks know that. Uh, the county knows that. Um, the feds uh, obviously have been, been told that as well. Um, and, that is, and that is the tough decisions that have to be made from a budget discussion. You know, these, these are the funds that are available. This is what we can do. We've made that very clear to the state and the county and the feds, and uh, we'll continue to work with them to make sure that they feel comfortable about the plan um, so that we can uh, move forward and, and try to help as best we can. The mayor punted the question of new revenue to a revenue subcommittee of the city council, even though he campaigned on a promise to raise taxes, fines and fees by 800 million to help fund these social investments that he wanted to make, uh, the investments in people, as he put it. What ideas do you have for, uh, for revenues, ways that the city of Chicago can generate new revenue? Would you like to, for example, legalized video gaming in Chicago? Would you like to see a congestion fee uh, for driving downtown? What ideas do you have that you're bringing to the table? Yeah, I, I, 
it's important um, to go through kind of the low hanging fruit first. Um, and that are some, some revenues that are already being generated, but maybe aren't being split um, appropriately or like they have in the past. So I'm talking specifically here of the like local government distributive, um, which is obviously a deal within the income tax breakdown from the state and the cities. The cities have been asking for um, back to their kind of fair um, appropriation for that. Um, and it's not just us, Rockford and, and Evanston and those. And that has changed over time. Um, those things we need to look at, making sure that we have the correct uh, definitions on wireless for um, the, the wireless taxation on the state level, those sort of things that maybe have, have you know, not been adjusted um, over time because it's just been a while since they've been told and then the technology changes and that's actually not capturing the revenue that it was supposed to. Those items have to come first because, because those are the items that demonstrate, you know, we, we are looking at all the options getting through all the, you know, coins in the couch cushion, the things that are, should be more efficient up front before we talk about the big things like you brought up, like the legalizing the, um, uh, you know, video gaming, um, and, and things like those, those, those first level pieces have to occur. We need to build on a foundation of strength, which is, which is partially this budget is making sure we're doing incremental things. Um, and that'll keep coming, uh, as we look at those other items. And then when we're discussing, those larger items like the video gaming, which obviously has to be balanced with the discussion around the casino and things like that, or, or other items around our infrastructure, that has to be a discussion with the business community and the local communities that are going, going to shoulder that burden and making sure they understand those new revenue sources why we're doing them and why we didn't go in a different direction, which is why there's going to be that subcommittee, but also why, you know, the budget director, myself and, and, and Jill, the, the, the CFO are, are going to have continued conversations with those communities as we, we take care of those kind of first level issues and go forward. Will you ask the general assembly, will the mayor be asking the general assembly to approve a service tax? A sales tax uh, on, this, on professional services, which has been talked about yeah, for mm -hmm. years. Nothing happened. Yeah, and I know that the uh, CFO has talked extensively about this, and, and she has, has made it clear that she wants to um, explore that. Um, at this time, I don't know of any in, imminent legislation. I, 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 uh, so I couldn't speak to that, but I do know that that is something that the CFO has been putting a lot of resources into reviewing. Um, and obviously that would have to be legislation. So I'm not sure if that would be something for this legislative, uh, cycle. I wouldn't be one to speak to that, but I know it's something that has been looked at. Isn't that an equity and I believe, thing? I think, I mean, I when think, you really go down well, to it, yeah, yeah, wealthier yeah, people I can, pay services. Sure, I can talk to you about it from like uh, uh, an economic breakdown standpoint. So I think we're one of, and I might have this incorrect, but I think we're one of 11 states that um, that doesn't uh, have service tax for um, uh, for service sales tax for for services. Um, 
And so that in itself is a little unusual. I can tell you when, when you start having kind of sales taxes coming in to different municipalities and that becomes a revenue source, at the time that those are being passed, most of the expenditures of individuals are actually from the uh, goods sector, right? You have more, more expenditures being on goods rather than services. As we've gotten to a more service-based economy, those have become more prominent within the expenditures of everyday folks. Um, so that it does make sense to take a look at it from, uh, okay, our economy has changed since the initial sales tax is like any other revenue source. You got to make sure you're constantly reviewing it for its efficiencies. Um, and therefore, uh, you know, taking a look at, at services makes some sense, uh, given that that has changed over time. Before we let you go, I want to hit on a couple of things quickly. The Bally's Casino sure. has been disappointing. Generated $3.1 million for the city of Chicago last year. That's less than 25% of the $12.8 that Lori Lightfoot was counting on for police and fire pensions. Are you concerned that that trend will continue? And if it does, that, that Bally's may not be able to afford to build the permanent casino in River West? I'm not concerned uh, at this point in time, uh, mostly because um, there was a kind of slow rollout for it. Um, it is a it is a smaller location, and then we go into the winter, and and it and it becomes uh, you know less of a um, you know there's less activity um, during that time period. It is something obviously we're we're monitoring very carefully. Um, it, it it's important to make sure that 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 is uh, going to to be a, a, a generator. Uh, you know there's obviously plans and it, it impacts pensions to do that um, and making sure that we're, we're putting in resources um, to, to improve anything that needs to be happened uh, with that um, is important. But at this point in time, I would say that it's too early to, to be too concerned. The pension crisis of $35 billion, the mayor mm -hmm. has not come up with new ideas, new revenue sources for that, and we need that even if the casino does better. What are the mayor's ideas? His pension commission hasn't come up with any long-term ideas. Sure. I, uh, I would push a little bit back and it's not a new idea, but something that we, that, that is very important is we did continue the advance payment, um, for pensions because right. we do want to get yeah, above he deserves that credit for that, water. but I'm talking about yeah, yeah, revenue, yeah. Sources. revenue sources. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. And you know, um, it is an ongoing conversation with that committee talking with, uh, obviously Senator Martwick and how he is having those conversations down in Springfield as well. Um, like we said, we are, we are having those revenue conversations fairly regularly, um, and I imagine there will be continued discussions with that in the spring. Uh, like, like you said, you know, the, the, the CFO had been talking about service, uh, um, you know, service taxes. Um, and then I, I was talking about some additional adjustments to, to kind of that, uh, underlying, um, some of those already reduced that are being generated, but need to be adjusted. Um, like, those conversations the, like are the, ongoing. The, sewers, the water surcharge that was added to the water bills that Rahm Emanuel identified for the municipal and labor's pension funds. Don't that have to be raised? Well, like I said, um, we're, we're going to review, we're reviewing all of the different revenue options, both the 
older ideas that have been brought to the front, like things like water surcharges, service, those, those items that have been discussed for years, but also having that conversation with the business folks, with those community development folks, um, with communities in general, to make sure that we're balancing that out as we look at new revenue items. And that also has to be a conversation that we are continuing to have with our Springfield folks. Chicago is a large city. It's the economic engine of this state, but it is only one part of the state and we need to make sure we're continuing to have those conversations with the general assembly that might not see it as a, as a, as an issue outside of Chicago to be, uh, you know, in those conversations with Rockford, where we're talking about the local uh, LGDF, with those conversations with other cities when they're talking about changes to other types of sales tax and other re revenues that need this, the state, so that it, we're focused on pension revenue collection, but also things that can actually get past the General Assembly. And finally, you're a member of the Municipal uh, Employees Benefit Fund that will decide when to cut off Ed Burke's retirement benefits. Do you favor now that he's been convicted on extortion and racketeering charges, should his pension be cut off? So um, I'm not going to speak on my final decision when that comes up in front of the board. I don't think that that's appropriate. Um, I do think that it is important given that, uh, you know, there are people that pay into this fund um, that, that play by the rules um, and deserve their pension um, and to, to take that into context with somebody that has been indicted. Now he's, he has paid in money. He's owed the money that he has paid in. And then a further discussion is going to happen with the board, which I'm just one member of. Uh, I know they've, they've commented as well, but, um, that'll happen at that time. But it is something I'm certainly thinking about when we're going to have that final decision that there are people that have played by the rules, they get that money. Those that haven't played by the rules, that needs to be a discussion with the board. And the Bring Chicago Home referendum that will be on the ballot in March if the business community lawsuit doesn't succeed, which would quadruple the real estate transfer tax on transactions over a million and a half dollars and triple those over a million. Do you have any doubt that will pass? And how reliable a source of revenue is that? Because the real estate market is very volatile. Yeah, I, I think I think it will pass because I think people are serious about uh, trying to make sure that we're we're handling um, the homeless uh, issue here in Chicago. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't have the the political background to know, you know, all those machinations and in, in, in campaigns like that. But I I, I feel like it will pass. Um, in terms of uh, the revenue source itself, it is volatile. Um, but uh, kind of the estimation and discussions around that uh, using that um, uh, source was that it, that it is volatile. So there's a lot of conservative numbers built in on the revenue it's going to generate and, and what that is going to do. Um, it's, it's good to have segregated funds for a specific purpose uh, like this um, that builds upon itself, makes sure that it, it's planning based on the fact that there's that volatility. We have to plan for that volatility as well, um, but uh, but that is it's obviously been looked at, and that's why that's been a kind of a conservative approach. So um, so that's that on 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 that piece. But I, I really want to thank you, Fran, for the opportunity um, to go through all of these items today.
Thank you so much, Chase Raywinkle. Thanks for joining us. Happy New Year and uh, good luck uh, going after that old debt. You'll need it. Absolutely. We, we will go after it and we're, we're, we're going to get our fair share. Absolutely. Okay. Have a good day and we will see you all next week.